0: Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is episode number 52. I am your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Uh, Join for the premium newsletter. You get all NHL and Bruins content emailed directly to your inbox. I also file columns after every single Bruins game for Boston Sports Journal. Check it out for my Bruins work, along with Greg Bedard and Mike Giardi covering the the, the New England Patriots, great Celtics and... and uh, and Red Sox coverage there as well. Um, My guest today, New England Hockey Journal's Evan Marinovsky, who is obviously covering the Bruins and all over the New England prep scene and the college scene. We'll we'll talk to him a little bit about that in addition to the Bruins. Let's thank, though, our sponsors real quick, FanDuel Sportsbook. As always, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. And get going because the uh, NFL playoffs are right around the corner. Boston uh, Bruins regular season. The Celtics are rolling. Get involved. And let's also give a little love to Factor Meals. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Delicious meals done in two minutes. Calorie-conscious. Chef-made. Uh, good stuff. So go to Factor Meals and tell them Hag sent you. All right, Evan. Uh, let's just start off with the uh, Boston Bruins won their fourth game in a row. Beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-1. Um, my biggest takeaway from this game uh, and re- what I was writing about at Boston Sports Journal is just um, this game kind of highlighted that uh, the Bruins, bar- Don Sweeney's bargain basement signings from the summer continue to pay dividends. A lot of people rolled their eyes when the Bruins had to you know, sign a bunch of players to like one year, one million dollar contracts, the James Van Riemsdijks and the Kevin Shattenkirks of the world. And a lot of people viewed it as a desperation move and just trying to like glue things together uh, because they were in such dire salary cap straits with Krejci and Bergeron retiring the, you know, salary, uh, the bonus overage penalty they had to pay because of them and just being up against the cap that forced them to trade Taylor Hall and make all these signings. Um, but James Van like three points in last night's game. He's on pace for 16 goals over 50 points. He's the fourth leading scorer on this Bruins team Kevin Shattenkirk uh, scored again last night, has four goals in his last 13 games, um, is now on pace for double digit goals, which would be the first time he's done that since his, his great prime days with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, and Dan Heinen picked up off the scrap heap, wasn't even given a contract, had to sing for his supper in training camp, earned it on a tryout. He's also on pace for double-digit goals. He scored his uh, last night as well. And really, for my money, last night Trent Frederick, JVR, and Danton Heinen, that third line that they uh, put together was the best line uh, going for them last night. So just how impressed are you um, with the way these players have performed? Yes, they're not starring every night. Of course, they're riding um, and, and they're counting on Brad Marchand and David Posternak to carry the offense a lot of nights. And we saw that, especially during the four game losing streak, they were basically the only ones scoring, but by and large, the reason this team is in the place that they're in is because these veteran players have stepped up and, and played up to, you know, the resumes that they brought when they signed in Boston.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You think back to the offseason and a lot of people uh, were, as you said, disappointed that there were no big signings or big trades. I think a lot of people expected the Bruins to jump out and immediately replace Bergeron and Krejci. And that was never possible. Um, And, you know, obviously, like, you know, uh, when a team like the Red Sox does the bargain bin stuff, you roll your eyes. and It's like you guys just there's no salary cap. You're rich. Right. Why are you doing this? But there is a salary cap, obviously, in hockey. And the Bruins aren't cheap. They pay their players. This is not an issue of that. They just didn't have a lot of salary space. You mentioned the overages. They had those this year. And I think this hits at a bigger thing in free agency. It is smarter, I think, to go for these uh, lower-tier signings, like a Van Riemsdyk, who throughout his whole career produces – James yep. and is a very solid veteran. He's always been that way. Is he the same guy that he was in Toronto many years ago? No, but he's a, a solid veteran who with the right players is going to contribute. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk, and, and, obviously.
0: And and Van Riemsdijk was brought in, you know, ostensibly to be the net front guy in the power play. He's on pace for double digit power play goals. Uh, that's really, he, he's been a weapon on the power. He's done a, Van Riemsdyk, more than anybody else, I think, on this team that they brought in as a free agent has done exactly what they thought he was going to do and exactly what they got him for. And as long as he stays healthy, I think he's he's going to be one of the best free agent signings of this entire season. When we oh, look at yes. value bang for the buck and what you got out of the player that you invested. So I think you really have to tip your cap to the NHL scouts, Don Sweeney, the Bruins management, especially for that one, for bringing that guy in. That has been an excellent signing for them.
1: And for getting him for a million bucks. I know. A million bucks, Hags. Like, I, that's where it, it's surprising. I think even if he was making three, we would be sitting here like, oh, this is a great signing. Yeah. Um, so he's given you that. Kirk was a little shaky at the beginning of the year, but like Jim Montgomery said after last night's game, he's getting used to how they play. He's starting to... Uh, understand their systems better and he's and he's looked pretty good with grizzly i've not minded that pairing um if that's what they're gonna uh, roll with going forward um, and i thought
0: it was interesting that he talked too about um how he kind of got in some bad habits with anaheim because they were playing in the d zone so much and because they were defending so much he kind of got away from some of his offensive tendencies and sort of you know, taking, making high risk plays or trusting that his teammates were going to have his back. If he, you know, was a little more aggressive and assertive offensively where he didn't feel like he could do that as much with Anaheim. And I think it's really the discovery that this is a much better team that he's playing on. And he doesn't have to worry about defending so much uh, has really freed him up to be the player that he was earlier in his career. And you, you put the skills and the smarts together with that mindset. And, you know, He's, he's on pace now for 11 goals and 25 points. That's an excellent uh, season for a defenseman. And I think he can even get more than that as he goes forward and continues to, you know, sort of make plays and doing what he's doing, considering the first, what, 20 games of the year, whatever it was, he didn't really do much offensively.
1: And if that's your third pair defenseman who you're going to roll out there as not someone, you know, probably not getting the top matchups. Um, you know, someone that you, you don't have super high offensive expectations for in the first place, and you're getting that production. Yeah, I think it's encouraging. Um, so I mean, again, he's another one that like, you know, when Forbert uh, you know, returns and, and all that, like obviously, you know, we'll see sort of how the how the chips fall back there. But and then Heinen's another. Like, you know, I've said a bunch, you know, uh, are they if Danton Heinen a top six forward, they, I think we talked about this. Are they, you know, cup contenders probably right. not, but I think having Danton Heinen where he can slot it in your top nine, you know, especially on that third line or wherever you need him, especially if it's in the bottom six, you have something with him. Like you know, he's going to contribute. He's a reliable veteran. Jim Montgomery likes him. Like uh, to me, I I've been thoroughly impressed with how those three have acclimated. JVR. Heinen and Shattenkirk. And, you know, again, are they going to produce every night? No, they're not. But I think when they do, and they have a lot in the last, especially four games since the the Christmas break, you see what you kind of have. And I, I'm very, I'm very curious to see if this continues, um, if they have kind of sort of, uh, they're hitting their stride at the right time. Especially, um, I mean, like JVR's passing is so good. I think he's a great passer like much
0: better than I I thought it was or had an idea of what it was but I think when you watch him every single day you realize how smart he is how well he sees the ice how well he makes like little plays in the offensive zone and he's not just a big body in front that can finish plays around the net he is definitely somebody um, that can set up his teammates and and has great vision you're absolutely that was the that's pro- that might be the biggest surprise for me of any player on this team this year is JVR's passing ability and his ice vision especially in the offensive zone. Like he's not obviously a great sort of rush player, a great t- transition player going through the neutral zone with speed, all that stuff. But when it turns into like to use a basketball analogy, like the half court game, yep. where they're just playing half court uh, offense in the offensive zone and they're cycling or making little plays in the offensive zone. He's excellent. He's fantastic. He's really good old man hockey, like, (laughs) uh, you know, not to insult him or anything, but he plays like that. Like when you play in a men's league game and some men's league, I was going to say men's
1: league, you have a little more time and space. He's good at creating time and space and he's good at slowing the game down. Just something that um, I think a lot of players, young and old struggle with is like, how do I. Uh, kind of let the game come to me and he's been great at that this year. And, uh, and also, by the way, he, like, he's kind of been on that third line with, you know, it was Coyle and Frederick before now it's sort of Frederick Heinen or whoever they have there. Like it has, it's not like he's been with Marchand and and Zaka and Posternak. like right. he, and on the power play. He is obviously, but at five on five, he's with guy, he's elevating guys around him. Like he's elevating Trent Frederick that pass to him on that goal against Columbus was dynamite. I mean, and, and, and props to Frederick for finishing props to Frederick, who's been, you know, really good uh, for a good portion of time now. Um, and I, I also wonder like uh, Coyle has moved in with Marchand and DeBrusque and, and they're solid. Um, yep. But I love the JVR Coil Frederick line. I would love to see that kind of come together at some point again, when Potter returns, if that's possible, like, yeah, I would be curious to continue to see them progress together because I think that line we've said it all along. I think that line would be a force uh, come the postseason. By the way, not to get off track. Speaking of big guys in front of the net, do you see the Nick Ritchie video from um, over? And I think like Finland. I haven't.
0: I haven't seen the video, but I heard about. It. I heard it was like a Hulk smash situation. <laughs> it
1: Thicker. was bad. It was like it was just a guy was battling him, battling with him in the corner, and he just grabs the guy by his head, throws him down, takes his helmet off, and just starts wailing on his head as he's down on the ice. And he only got an eight-game suspension. I was uh, I was yeah. shocked. But yeah, yeah uh, uh Nick is Nick is thriving over in uh overseas. So Hey,
0: I think that's something Bruins fans wanted to see more of when he was here with Boston <laughs> was that kind of uh you know, Hulk situation where he just loses his mind and starts, like, intimidating and throwing people around. That's why uh, feel he probably feels so
1: superior over there. He's like, I'm a 1st round NHL pick. You guys suck. I don't even know what his stats are. I don't think they're that good, but yeah. I thought that was incredible.
0: He, he just wanted to take the holiday week off, so he's like, I'm just going to get suspended <laughs> for the next uh, stretch of games.
1: Yeah, I'll, go, take, I'll take it. I'll hopefully still get paid, but I'll take yeah, it Yeah, maybe there I could
0: just go. fly home.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. You know what's America's number one sports book? Right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math and I, I know that's a good deal. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options including spreads. Player props, over-unders and more. Visit fanduel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non withdrawable bonus bets. That expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline, MA.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSense, or call 1-800-GAM-1234.
0: I One thing I did was interesting, just thinking about all these players, is uh, forecasting later on in the year. Um, the Bruins' sixth man is going to be extremely tough this year. I think. Um, yeah, you know, or, or seventh player, excuse me, not sixth man. Uh, the seventh player award is going to be really difficult. You've got, um, you've got Danton Heinen, you've yep. got Kevin Shattenkirk, you've got J- James Van Riemsdyk. I would expect uh, one of those players is is going to get it it's going to be like usually they give it to a young player and maybe it'd be like a mason low or a matt patra um or you know actually johnny beecher might end up being the one that would be the most sort of appropriate um when push comes to shove at the end of the year depending on how, how low rye performs and how long he stays up but um i i think it's going to go to one of those veterans one of those guys that's gone above and beyond i think jvr might be a great choice for something like that if he continues to produce it the way he is right now
1: yeah, he's a good one. I mean, I was just writing these down while you were while you were saying that. Like, you mentioned Heinen, JBR, uh Beecher. I would throw in maybe Frederick, too. That's yeah. another option. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Geeky could be an option, the way that he's slotted. I mean, I know he was hurt yeah. for a little bit of time, but if he continues to kind of do what he's been doing, filling yeah. in on the top six, down uh, on the third line, like, that's another one. Um, so they have a lot. I would go with JVR. I think he's been the, I, I think when, when my prediction is when the season ends, he'll be the most consistent. Yeah. Um, and
0: he's like so. the true spirit of the the seventh player. Uh, yes. Going seventh man, going back to, you know, the old days when they used to like give it to veterans like that, that went above and beyond.
1: Yeah. I, I So I think he would be a good choice for it uh, come the end of the year. But like, again, you could throw Patra in the mix there. Uh, you mentioned Beecher. Like, I think he's a really good one. We have not. I know yep. they've they've uh, moved him out of there at times, uh, you know, or for a game or two just to kind of uh, reset him. But like he's been a solid presence on that fourth line, like haven't had to worry about him. Um, and even when it's, you know, Lauco, Beecher and Steen, they're able to kind of hold their own. So uh, I, I, to me, I think they, you know, it's going to be a tough call. But I think as of now, I'd probably go with Van Riemsdyk.
0: Yeah, I think we're in agreement on that one. Um World Juniors uh, still going on. Uh, Canada is out. Uh, Team USA is a friggin' juggernaut. They're just oh like my god, brilliant people. That BC line has been nasty um when they're playing together. Um, but they just don't even look like they're challenged by any of these teams they're playing. It'll be interesting to see what happens if they get into a you know another close game. Um, now that it's do or die and elimination, uh, they did have what? Would they have an overtime game against was it Czechia? Maybe.
1: I think they did. Yeah. I think the U.S. did. What's funny is like I was reading, and this hits at a bigger point. I was reading in The Athletic. Um, I think it was Dom or someone wrote a story on, uh, you know, the, the United States when they do the World Cup of Hockey in 2025 could be better than Team Canada, which in 2016 wasn't the case at all. You know, it wasn't right. even close. Um, and you just look at and and they didn't even include like Ryan Leonard or Will Smith or Gabe Perot, or uh, I don't even think they included like Cutter Gautier on those teams. Yep. But just the the caliber of hockey in America and the and the, the, the 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 talent that's being churned out like uh, right now, I mean, in the NHL, the I would say Canadians probably have the best defenseman in Kale McCarr, but after that, the Americans hold the advantage by a lot. Adam Fox, McAvoy, Quinn Hughes. Um, you know now Brock Faber, who I love, uh, yeah. is moving into that. Like he's a phenomenal defenseman, and like I just think that you know the talent and uh, you know I you know I was I was talking to James Hagans last night, actually, um, at, for a he's going to be in our next magazine, and like just the the and and he almost made that World Junior team, um, and, and if he did, I don't think he would have been talking to me on a Tuesday night at <laughs> at seven no. o'clock. Um, but I just, it goes back to the talent that the U S has and has coming is so good and competes with Canada. And I think at some point, like, you know, obviously this world juniors, America will finish higher, but like in general, I think team USA is sort of on that, uh, continued track and Canada's not getting worse. I think the U S has just gotten so good. Yeah, yeah, and I think the U.S.
0: U.S. has really put an emphasis on it too. Whereas it's always yes. been important in Canada, but I think it's become much more important in the U.S. Uh, to be like a power and to maximize the potential that it's always had. And um, the American development model that USA Hockey uses, like to train their coaches, to you know develop their players. Uh, the, you know, the, there's a nationwide system in place that they train the coaches a certain way. They have a general overarching philosophy for the sport in every state and in every association, like that stuff has turned out great players. You know, that, that is developing players and their skill levels at a level that like, I think is above and beyond other nations. Like you see like the most skilled players coming from USA. Like they're not always, I think the best, um, they're not always the grittiest players, Uh, they're not always and for a
1: long time they were for a long time the americans were gritty but they didn't have the skill now it's completely flipped
0: now they're not always the grittiest players they're certainly not always the most instinctual players sometimes i think um from a traditional standpoint but just the actual like level of skill that they have shooting passing stick handling all of that stuff um and and starting to play together as a team like You look at them and you see them compared to some other countries, and I think they are a level above. So as far as that has gone, with developing the skill level of players, I think the American system and what USA Hockey has put into place has been a great success. Um, We've talked about it before, how different states are doing it at different levels of success, and is Massachusetts still you know where they need to be because minnesota seems to really be distancing themselves as far as how much they're producing and there mm. there are reasons for that that we talked about but i think in general the u.s and especially like the markets like st louis arizona dallas like you know anaheim like these different places that were never hockey spots before that produce talent are all of a sudden churning out these great athletes that are playing hockey too um it's it's also part of gary bettman's sort of like master plan of you know, putting hockey in non-traditional markets and they're starting to bear fruit with all the players that we're seeing all over the country that are being produced.
1: Yeah, it's funny. When I was talking to James Higgins' dad, uh, so for people who don't know, James Haggins is a stud on the national team, on the U.S. Development Program. Um, BC commit, likely will be the number one pick in 2025. Very, very comparable to like Jack Hughes as a center. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. Yeah. Vision, passing, all that. And, uh, and and I just... should
0: say, like with with Hagen. Sorry to interrupt, but with Hagen's, with um, Cole Iserman, with these players that didn't make uh, the World Juniors team, this Team USA this year, I think you can see now why. Yes. Like, the way they're playing, and that the way that they're rolling teams. I like. I was a little critical of Team USA for not taking some of these other players when um, Team Canada took Max Celebrini when they didn't have to, and like mm-hmm. you know some of the other stuff that was going on but i think uh over time i think we've seen that they probably made the right choice it all depend obviously on what happens in these medal games but
1: and they'll be there next year that would be my yeah. guess uh i i but he you know he was saying that when he when james started out uh in youth hockey that was when the adm model kicked off and yeah. like that was a a point of emphasis and edge work and passing and small area games and yep. all those things and that's bearing fruit you're seeing that now uh, one thing I will say, though, because I, I agree with you that the Americans might be a little less gritty, but you know who has that full package of grit skill shot? Ryan Leonard, uh yeah. who's yeah. You know, a BC guy, uh Washington Capitals draft pick like that kid is going to be legit when it comes to the NHL, because he's got that well-roundedness of he's a tough SOB and he can shoot that d- hell out of the puck. And I think that. Though that combination is going to work really well, especially with the capitals. Cause he's going to have Tom Wilson in his ear, yeah, um, that stuff. But yeah, I'm, cu- I'm very curious to see how the U S does in these next couple of days. Cause um, they look good. They look real good. BC has got to be pretty happy.
0: BC's yeah, <laughs> they, they are, they're loaded. All their players are playing well. Like this is a good experience for them. They're going to come back full of confidence uh, when they go back to the heights uh, for the second half of the year. And and really honestly, when it comes to college hockey, all feels right in the world when BU and BC are actually like legit yes. talents and and you know going to be in the tournament at the end of the year. But going back to the World Juniors in general, um, Team Canada loses. Uh, mm. uh heartbreaking fashion at the end of the third Yeah, what what a goal.
1: Um, that was like a fluke, like a mini it, hockey goal. It,
0: it was. It was a weird goal. Uh that goalie did not have a good game, the Team Canada goalie. He let up a couple bad no. ones early in the game. The last one wasn't his fault, but the fact that they were where they were in the third period kind of was his fault. And the team in general did not have a great start. Um Celebrini was obviously great. Pacha was up and down in this tournament. He certainly wasn't dominant. I thought he was good. In that final game. Uh, he assisted on one of the goals. He had a lot of chances. I thought he was generating a lot, but he didn't play that way throughout the tournament. You heard some of the oh, it's the big ice. Oh, it's a jet lag from coming over, like, you know, it was tough adjustment from the NHL to going back to world juniors. And, you know, there, there's some of that. Uh, but I don't think I don't know that he he played fine. He was fine. I don't think he was bad by any means, but he wasn't exactly dominant either. Like some might've expected him to be. And I don't know if he's that kind of player in general. Anyway, I think he's more of a complimentary playmaking sort of player. He's not going to be a celebrini where he's just going to take over games and, and, you know, score a ton of goals. Uh, But my question being now that the tournament is over, Patrick, Patrick's going to come back. It's going to be interesting to see how he's going to fit in and where they're going to put him in and, how many days they're going to let him rest before they put him into the lineup, and you know if they put him down in Providence for any kind of a conditioning stint before they sort of bring him up, and you know how they approach this whole situation now that they're on the other side of it, and he's going to be re-entering, um, you know, the team, and is he even going to go on the West Coast trip that's coming up? Uh, I think they're going to like Arizona, Colorado, Vegas, places like that. Um, is he going to stay behind in Providence while they go on that trip? Uh, Merkulov is up. Does he go back down when Patra comes in? Uh, there's a lot of moving parts here, and I'm interested to see how the Bruins are going to approach it.
1: Yeah, I am also curious because I, as we mentioned with those seventh player awards, you have a lot of veteran or like Trent Frederick age type players. So not like, like I wouldn't say Trent Frederick's a veteran, but he's obviously older and way more experienced than a Patra or a yep. Um, So you have those guys down there. Like, so right now, obviously you got coil geeky Frederick as your at least on Wednesday night where you're top three centers, right? So like coil going to stay in the top six. Z- they've liked Zaka on the wing. Do they keep geeky in the middle there? Do they try Patra? Like, uh, I'm curious about that. And then if Patra is going to go down to that third line, like Heinen's been playing well, Van Riebe's been playing well, Frederick's been playing well. Like, do you move Frederick back to the wing? Do you put Patra back in there? Um, what do you do with Danton Heinen? Like, I am curious what they do. I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I don't think I, you know, if Padra comes back and he's slower or anything, I still am hesitant to blame the world juniors for that being a reason why, like, oh, no. it, it I, think, I think it was a
0: fine experience for him. I don't think it's going to be a Lysol situation where, you know, it's going to, uh, be a turning point towards a sort of downturn in this season or you know, his performance is going to suffer at all because of it. I think it was a good experience for him overall, even though, you know, they lost and it was a disappointing ending. I think putting young players like that on that stage and then in that environment ends up being long-term a benefit to them. And I think it will be for him. Um, I'm just curious to see how he's going to fit, if they're going to keep him at center, if they may start to try some of these players or even him at wing a little bit. Uh, and move him around a little uh, and to see exactly how he's going to fit in the second half of the year, especially with Connor Geeky playing a lot better and looking pretty good in the middle. There's also the fact that the Bruins have been absolutely horrendous in the faceoff circle for a lot of these games uh, recently at center, um, you know, all the way down the line, uh, and how that's going to shake out. And if that changes what they're going to need at the deadline, where they're going to need somebody that can win faceoffs. Uh, in big moments, you know, we've, Charlie Coyle could obviously win faceoffs at big moments. We've seen him do that. He won a faceoff that led to a goal uh, a couple games ago after he'd been like over seven or over eight in the game. Uh, and but, you know, you know, he's going to be steady and OK in the faceoff circle. But I think everybody else in the second half of the year is, is, you know, games have tightened up a little bit, have been really lacking. And, you know, that they've been able to win games despite it. But that's going to become an issue come playoff time. Um, but just in general, like, I think it, it put, put it this way. I don't think Patra's going back to juniors. I think that's already been, I think that, you know, Don Sweeney already said, that's not going to happen. I don't think they're going to do that to this kid. I think he's going to stick around. They made a commitment to him. That's just the right thing to do. Uh, and I do think he'll be in and out of the lineup. Um, I just wonder if it's going to continue to be, you know, he sits every like fourth or fifth game. And it's, it's sort of a rotation, so to, speak, so to speak, until he really either starts to take, you know, seize and grab hold of a position and and look like he's going to be the guy he was in the first, you know, month or two of the season, or if it just becomes sort of a rotational thing where he's a part of the mix. But you need to keep him in there playing, obviously.
1: And so this is the thing. It goes back to this, and you see how I, there was a lot, I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, oh, why is Georgie Markiloff not playing in the third period and, and this and that? Uh, they, uh, first of all, like with the Murkulov thing, you got to earn, I I think you got to earn the right to play in the third period. He's been
0: fine, but not great. He's been fine. Like he hit a post, he's done some decent things. I think he's played pretty good 200 foot hockey. uh, But I wouldn't say he stood out in any of the games that he played to to the, to the point where they need to keep him when Patrick comes back. I think he's going back to Providence and that's fine. He got a little taste. He goes back to Providence. And then when, you know, he's, maybe he's more ready to, you know, be a little more dominant uh, the next time around.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think it goes back to these younger players. Like, Beecher's stuck on that fourth line uh, for pretty much the entire year. Yeah. But, like, you look at, like, a, you know, like a potra And there was some questions about his usage kind of right before he went to World Juniors. The re- Like, the Bruins are in first in the Atlantic. Like, they are... They are, they points wise, they're a Stanley cup contender. Yes. Um. And Jim Montgomery has got to go with the guys he trusts most uh, in those big situations. And yep. it's okay. If a 19 year old kid is not a guy that you quite trust yet. And yes. I, I know that people want to see Patra. I want to see Patra. I think you and I both agree that this year was kind of supposed to be, Hey, what do you have in the younger players? And you've seen that. The younger players have been playing. They just, yep. you know, just because they're not used in crunch time, uh, doesn't mean they're not getting used. Now, again, I still, you know, there are times. The, the where NHL, I'm like,
0: hey, Evan, the NHL is not a developmental league.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I, that's not. exactly what it is. That's the exact thing. And I think people, you know, want to see these younger players. And again, we both do. I'm not like yeah. I'm not anti kids or anything. Yeah. Um, I just think in crunch times of games when you need two points, are you gonna go with a guy like Coil? or geeky who are older and been around more, maybe a little more reliable, or are you going to go with a younger player? Like Montgomery's going with the older player because that's the higher chance of winning. And I know that there've been times this year, especially at the end of games, when uh, the older guys have blown it, especially in those final minutes. Like I I acknowledge that, but I'm just saying from, from a uh, probability perspective and all that, like that's, I go back to, you know, it's good that they're playing, but you can't expect them to be out there in the final minute uh, of every game,
0: no, and and that's you're not going to see them out there in the playoffs. And so what you're seeing now is the guys that they are going to have out there in the playoffs in these moments. They're out there now getting reps, so yes. they're ready uh come playoff time, and they have a little more experience doing it because they've had to enter even the veteran guys, the geekies, the you know some of the other players. Um, you know they haven't they're not used to being out there in the final minute of games that used to be like david crechey patrice bergeron territory brad yeah. marshian like they were the guys that were always out there in those situations and now you're opening that up to other players being in those situations and you know Mon- jim montgomery talked about this earlier in the year that part of the reason they were struggling and to protect one goal leads in the third periods is because it was a lot of new guys especially at forward that were out there in these spots that hadn't been in these situations before. And I think you're starting to see them get better, whether it was scoring a couple empty net goals, a couple games ago in a situation where they'd really struggled earlier in the year, whether it was closing out a game against Columbus last night where they were really strong in the third period, I thought, and it was one of their better third periods. You're starting mm-hmm. to see that improvement because they've been put in those situations, those veterans, and they're starting to get better. You're not going to see uh matt patra out there in the final minute of game seven of a stanley cup playoff series you're Um, not what why would you expect (laughs) to see it now if you're not going to see it then like he's going to have to get to that point maybe three years ago uh, from now he will be that guy and you work into it but at the nhl level it's it's definitely not a developmental league and you especially in the eastern conference with it being as close as it is, with all these teams right now, nobody's running away with, uh, you know, any of these playoff spots. The Bruins don't no. have that much of an advantage right now, points wise, over wildcard teams. They could very easily be overtaken if they went into a, you know, extended tailspin. So I think the mm. the points are very important for them right now. So I think y- your point is is right on. We do have factor meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready to eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a a quick meal. uh, They fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, They have calorie conscious options. Going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spice shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's 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 a great deal. Um, so if you wanna get factor meals, uh, go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir- first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I, I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormealscom slash hags 50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry. If you go to factor meals, it gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. Um, all right, let's, let's finish this off with the uh, Twitter question of the week. Still not sponsored, still looking for a sponsor out there. This can be your space. Right here, uh, brand X presents the Twitter question of the week. Uh, send us, I like send it, <laughs> a, send, a, send, a, send a note into Pucks with X podcast to get that taken care of. Um, this is from Cam071109 for a team that's ranked second to last for our prospect system. And the last time I checked, they were ranked dead last by the Athletic a couple of years in a row. So I think this yeah. guy's even given them more credit than they deserve, uh, or that they got. I would say we're doing okay. Lorai, Pottsy, and Beecher on the roster. Merkelov getting NHL time. Now Lysel putting up a point per game in the AHL. Busty a top three goal in the AHL for two years now. And two world junior players. Uh, and we should give uh, Don Zlokmelis a little credit too. Like yes, a UMass guy. For Latvia uh, and represented UMass uh, and the Bruins really well uh, in that game uh, against Team USA, that torture chamber that they were in. He scored the the only two goals <laughs> uh, for Latvia. So, uh, and, and uh, you know, we've talked about this a little earlier uh, with the advent of Lowry and Beecher and Patra on this year's team. I think we view the Bruins prospect system very differently now because we've got three legit NHL players and guys that are making impacts, uh, you know, coming out of the prospect system and really fast forwarding their development uh, to get to the NHL. And I think it really changes the way you look at the Bruins prospect system right now.
1: It does. It does. And I think they've developed those guys. Well, you look at a guy like low who, you know, at Ohio state, I don't think they play the strictest systems out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a guy who only recently became a defenseman and the Bruins are turning him into a better 200 foot you know, two way defenseman. Uh, and you look at Patra and the way that he plays and and the way that they kind of, you know, even though Beecher did not have the highest ceiling, you know, obviously you can criticize the pick as much as you want, but, there's nothing wrong with being an everyday bottom six forward in the NHL who plays with speed and can and and can do a number of things well. So like, uh, to me, you know, do I put the Bruins? Do I say, oh, they're, they're a top ten prospect pool now? No, I don't. But they're, I think they're better than uh, we give them credit for. I think the other thing is what they were always lacking with that group was like the high end guys, and I think those national prospect rankings the guys like the prawnmen's of the world and like Scott Wheeler the guys who look at every prospect pool i think they put a high emphasis and i don't want to put words in their mouth but my yeah. guess they put a high emphasis on the top talent you know guys that are picked high guys that have you know the high end skill and this and that and the bruins prospect pool didn't really have that but they do have guys that can contribute valuable uh at a, at a high level at the nhl level and i think that's a big thing. Um, that's a testament to the Bruins picking because again, Beecher was end of the first, uh, Patra and Low were what well, they were second round picks, right? So, like, yep. these are not the you know, they didn't trade up to get these guys in the top five. Um, and I think it also hits home at and I, I've said this to you a lot this year, they need to get back into the first and second round. You need yes, to find a do. way to get back in because uh you don't have them the next couple years and You've been picking spotty the last bunch of years. You know, you're giving away first round picks, which again made sense. I'm not saying it didn't, but you do need to replenish them because now that Lowry is seems to be up here and you know, Lysell at some point should be up and uh, you know, uh, uh, Patra's been up and and Beecher's stuck and that like you do need to replenish Providence and and yep. and that team so. Uh, I'm curious do need to see to, what they you do need to,
0: that. you do need to continue hitting on guys like Merkulov, Bussy. um, you know, players free like agent that signings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another one, the guys that you're getting in either free agency or that you're waiting out, you know, draft rights to expire and then you're signing them out of college, whatever it is, uh, they've done a very good job of that. I think they've been one of the best NHL teams as far as getting those players, and tracking them and making sure they can come that way and that's a good way to supplement when you don't have the first and second round picks but to your point i think at this point now they're they're looking at a time where they need to recoup some of those picks and they need to stop trading them away and sort of build up again uh to get to that point point. and i think you know they've picked the best fruit out of their uh prospect system now and those guys are in the nhl and it's going to look pretty bare again if they don't start like replenishing that with some of these picks. It, it, but that being said, Locke Mellis looks really good. Uh, Oscar yep. Jelvik is having a very good season at Boston College. And I think he's been a guy that looked look good in development camp, too. They have a couple of guys coming, but nobody that's going to wow you. And they need to start getting back into the high end business of drafting players in the first and
1: second round. Yeah, I that's the big thing. I think, you know, it's fine to get the fair notch. He's like a guy that I'm a little worried about is like a Mark McLaughlin because he yeah. there has not been much from him this year. Uh, you know, no one ever expected him to to do more than a third or fourth line role. So it's not like, oh, he's not to. But he just had like there's so much competition on this in this organization uh, in that bottom six that like, do you, you know, do you move him for a change of scenery at some point? And you're not getting a first or second or third for him, but like, do you just kind of give him a new change of scenery? Uh, But I agree with you. I think that they do need to get back into getting guys that can potentially play in the top six. And you have that with Patra. I'm not saying like you don't, but you need more of those guys because they don't all hit, you know, you're seeing it with Lysel right now, there are holes and, and that's okay. Uh, Not every first, second round pick is going to, thrive in the nhl uh but the bruins have just been you know very fortunate and good for them that like Lowry and 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 patra seem to be trending that way
0: yep uh bruins prospect system not awesome but probably uh you know not as bad as some other teams certainly not the last last in the nhl dead last as they've been ranked by the athletic the last couple of years so let's give uh the bruins scouting staff management staff a little golf clap there you go evan a little more credit uh, than they were given the last two summers. Uh, hey, speaking of he was-
1: the speaking of the prospect pool, did you see uh, Diver when he was on Bruins beat with me with his setup? I don't know what he did. No. He he was uh, he he's was like in a, he's like in a Barker
0: lounger or something. He's done that with me before too. He's
1: yeah recliner and someone yeah. replied like, "I wish I could be as comfortable as Diver." He just recliner and then the laptop is just kind of like here yep. and, and it's just th- that's it, you know. And it's so funny and I was like, I, man, I. I should start doing that. Why? why I think it's the perfect it's set setup. Right.
0: I think it's. <laughs> he looks very comfortable when he's talking Bruce prospects, as he should be, because yeah, I, he, I, I, can, oh, of, I he, is, he is the guy that watches them all the time. A guy that watches a ton of hockey at all levels, Evan Marinovsky. Evan, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, Let's take our sponsors real quick. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, $150 in bonus bets. With any winning $5 money line bet, that's $150 if your team wins. Download the app. It's very easy to use. Spreads player props over under so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. And get get going with uh, betting on all of these uh seasons because the playoffs are starting for the nfl everything else is in midstream it's good stuff uh also factor meals let's thank them america's number one ready to eat meal kit head to factor slash hags 50 and use code hags 50 to get 50 percent off your first box evan marinovsky thank you very much i'm sure Finn and i will see you at the rink soon appreciate the time you will excellent i like that the promise that i'm going to see at the ring uh everybody else out there thank you for listening to the pucks with hags podcast and i will also see you at the ring